Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast, where we teach and preach the Catholic faith, which has come down to us over 2,000 years from Jesus and the apostles. We want to help you to know your faith, to love your faith, and to live your faith with purpose and passion, and even be able to defend it and explain it to others. And uh, we sometimes have on guests on this show who have written books or who have conversion stories or are reverts to the faith, you know, someone who has done something. And uh, today, we would like to invite on to the show, Anthony Barone Kolank, Anthony Barone Kolank, and he's the author of the Harwood Mysteries. It's actually a Catholic award-winning medieval historical fiction series published by Loyola Press, and he is also the host of Shepherd's Pie, which is a radio show and a podcast that's focused on youth and youth issues. He's a retired military veteran and now teaches law at Ave Maria University in Florida. He writes regular columns in the Practical Homeschooling Magazine. He's an author of legal case books, book chapters, journal, journal articles, and matters on constitutional law and religious liberty, which is so important today. And he uses this Catholic book series to evangelize youth, to teach them their faith. And it's award-winning. So uh, I'm very excited to talk about this. And maybe you parents out there are excited to have something for your teens to read, you know, other than maybe some of the other things that are out there, like Harry Potter. I don't know. But <laughs> anyways, I want to welcome you to the show, Anthony. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks so much, Brian. I'm I'm so thrilled to be with you here. Yeah, absolutely. We're happy to have you here today. And we're happy to hear about your series that's reaching so many teens. And it's, you know, interesting. It's fiction. They get to read, but they also get to learn about the Catholic faith at the same time. Uh, maybe you could start out by talking a little bit about um, your series, you know, kind of what it's about, how it got started, all that sort of thing. Sure. Well, it's called The Harwood Mysteries, and it takes place in 12th century England. Uh, right before the Third Crusade, I start the series in the reign of King Henry II, uh, you know, after uh, Thomas Becket has been martyred uh, by uh, Henry II. And so it's set at a, a Benedictine Abbey in Yorkshire, England. Basically, my, my main character is a peasant boy uh, who gets given the name Alexander, or Zan for short, by one of the monks. Uh, he winds up getting orphaned when these bandits attack his, his uh, abbey. So the first book actually is called Shadow in the Dark. And that's what happens in book one. Basically, Zan winds up at this abbey with these Benedictine monks. And uh, there's a girl there, Lucy, who um, her father uh, has left her at the convent as he's traveling around um, England for a few months. So uh, Zan and Lucy sort of become a, a duo of um, mystery sleuths, if you will, as they're trying to solve uh, a few mysteries in the first book. Actually, there's this kind of shadowy figure that's roaming around the grounds at night, uh, that's the shadow in the dark there. And uh, they're trying to figure out uh, what's going on with that because the people, the kids think it's the shadow of death, like, uh, you know, the Grim Reaper or something. And then there's also this whole bandits thing going on. The bandits are attacking the Abbey. And so, you know, it's set in a historical time and place and it sort of uh, shows you kind of life in the Middle Ages as a, as a peasant boy and, and girl, but uh, also, we are actually solving mysteries and learning some history, and and the whole series actually has kind of religious themes going through it. So uh, that was the introductory book, and maybe I'll just pause there for a second. So, Tony, um, how many books are there in this series? And you know, are are they all similar in style? Are they all similar to like the Third Crusade and that sort of thing? 
So they're all kind of pre-Third Crusade. The, the series is ongoing. Right now, there's four books that are published. The fifth book is going to be coming out uh, hopefully in 2023. And I'm in the midst of writing book six, um, which probably won't be out till 2024 or five. Wow. And eventually, my characters are going to make it into the Third Crusade. But right now, there's four books. I'll show you real quick the other covers. Uh, the Haunted Cathedral is book two. You can see Zan and Lucy on the uh, the front there in Lincoln, actually Lincoln Cathedral, where um, in that one, they're investigating what appears to be a, a little girl haunting Lincoln Cathedral. Uh, book three is called The Fire of Eden. And that, uh, that Gandalf-looking character is a, a sort of sinister magician who lives uh, in the woods outside one of the uh, priories. And there's a that's actually a jewel thief kind of a book where somebody has stolen... Um, one of the monks comes from a, a noble family and uh, and a, a precious ruby, the fire, uh, Eden's fire has been stolen. And so uh, Zan and Lucy are again sort of um, doing that, uh, trying to figure that out. And then book four, which just came out uh, this last year, is called The Merchant's Curse. And that brings us back to Lincoln, where Zan and his other main character, uh, Christine, is the other girl in this. Um, he meets her in book two, and then she kind of takes the spotlight in book four. Uh, the two of them are in Lincoln and they're trying to figure out um, this woman apparently has cursed somebody and, and he's dying and they're trying to figure out if this is a witch and a witch's curse and this kind of thing. So you can see like I, I try to bring in like sort of these, you know, spooky, uh, suspenseful vibes and storylines yeah. as a background. Um, you know, I, I think of it sort of like you started with, uh, you know, think about Harry Potter and, and Harry Potter is actually pretty um pretty light compared to the stuff that's being sold to our kids nowadays it's just getting darker and darker with you know witchery and the occult and all this kind of thing mm -hmm. and uh, so my feeling is you know i want a series that uh, clearly kids are attracted to that kind of suspense and and mystery so i wanted something that would definitely speak to kind of our modern audience but at the same time you know would actually not be um you know junk uh, for them to read and would actually <laughs> have some good uh, religious themes that would be worked in organically in the plot and in things that are going on you know just based on the setting yeah and it seems like you do that you know it seems the books uh, are attractive the covers are attractive it seems like it has a mystery air to it it seems like a hardy boys and nancy drew but with a catholic theme and uh every you know my generation everyone grew up reading the hardy boys and everyone grew up you know reading nancy drew and even you know watching murder she wrote you know we love all those little kind of mysteries but i love how you set it in a catholic setting where people can you know have a a, a milieu of the catholic faith so to speak and learn about their catholic faith that's great and you're intentionally drawing kids in with you know attractive uh pictures with good stories but you also are trying to evangelize youth in their faith and without hitting them over the head with it you know so maybe you could talk about your your intention uh with the books and the purpose of evangelizing our youth today definitely yeah i mean we were a homeschooling family uh, i have five kids my youngest is now finishing up college but you know, when I started writing this series, they were younger and, you know, I saw what was out there and I, I wanted there to be more good, you know, books, Christian books that would be appealing to modern kids. So that was sort of the genesis of the idea. 
Uh, and you know, Jesus, you know, sent out his disciples and he told them, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. So that's kind of, I think, what I'm doing a little bit here is, you know, I want to shrewdly package, like you said, like a really good story. Like ultimately, it has to be a good story. It has to, you know, um, be exciting. There has to be mystery in it, some suspense. And and anything religious has to be organic to the plot. That makes it a lot easier if it's set at a Benedictine Abbey in 12th century England, because you're surrounded by monks and nuns. And uh, so some of the, the themes that are going to come out, of course, they would have come out. I mean, that was a time in history when, you know, religion just permeated everything in your life. And so you can sort of present these things. But, you know, I also my main character, especially Zan, is not like some holier than thou kid. He actually, uh, you know, he in the first book he has to he lost his memory in, in almost the entirety of the first book. Um, but even as you go through the series, Zan is like a regular teenager. You know, he he ages about a year each book, so he's definitely starting, you know, in seventh, uh, sixth, seventh grade level and moving into his teenage years all the way through high school. But of course, they didn't have high school back in twelfth century England. But um, but that's the age range. And he's like any other teenager, you know, he questions his faith. He, 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 you know, the, the bandit who kills his family in book two, the Haunted Cathedral, he has to uh, confront that bandit. And that bandit is essentially trying to be forgiven. And Zan doesn't want to forgive. And so book two is like all about forgiveness and this type of thing. Um, and book three is about pride. Uh, you know, Zan gets kind of full of himself after having some success in the first few books. Lucy has to kind of put him in his place a little bit. Uh, and book four, I actually sort of based on the book of Ecclesiastes, this idea of vanity of vanities and all of all of the vanities of this life that can never save us from, you know, uh, from anything, really. And, and, you know, we have to be focused on another life, you know, the life to come. And so, you know, each of the books sort of hits these things. But, you know, the characters especially my main character who, you know, you're, you're seeing it from his point of view through most of the books. Uh, you know, he's just like a regular kid with a good heart. He's a good hearted kid, but he, he, you know, has questions and doubts and he screws up, you know, um, you know, and so, you know, that's kind of where I was going with it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I think um, this kind of evangelization can be effective if it's done right. And I think you do it right. Um, you know, it reminds me of the Da Vinci Code um, or Angels and Demons, which were fantastic books. I mean, people were into them before all the ridiculous nonsense about the Catholic faith and, you know, um, the the monks and that sort of thing started coming out. And he weaved it in. He made it seem like fact and fiction were so, you know, inseparable. And people couldn't tell the difference that it was a fiction book. I mean, he kind of advertised it as, you know, a little bit of, you know, accuracy in fact which it wasn't but i mean this whole fiction series of his convinced many catholics to stop being catholic i was a director of religious education at the time when it came out i had 1200 students and about 75 to 100 teachers and so many of my teachers were coming to me in tears and being like is this true is our catholic faith a monster you know and they're like these i was like you're the teachers what how are you doubting your faith over a fiction book and so i wrote a a little series rebuttal against the da vinci code and angels and demons and you know i said here's what the book says here's what reality is <laughs> here's what the book says here's what history is but it's a great way i mean he weaved his uh his beliefs and what he wanted to evangelize people his thoughts into a fiction book that was really well written and people couldn't 
separate it. So I think, you know, if we can do that in the right way, in a positive way, um, through with the Catholic faith and with the truth, I think that can be super uh, effective. Yeah, and I, I really need to say I'm I'm clearly not the only person doing this. There's uh, when I first started writing these, I was thinking like maybe I'm the only one out there. But since that time, I've actually realized, and it's growing. There's a growing movement. Um, I'm part of a group right now called CatholicTeenBooks.com. I don't know if you've heard of it, but we have 16 Catholic authors who are doing the same thing I'm doing. Uh, you know, writing stories for this age group that have Christian values, but that aren't hitting you over the head with it, that are set in all different times, some of their dystopian, uh, you know, end of the world, dinosaurs, like you name it, there are Catholic authors writing this really good stuff. A lot of them have won a lot of awards. Um, so most parents, like when they, you know, if, if we're ever out with our Catholic team books and we run into parents with their kids and they're like, what, where's all this stuff coming from? Where do I find it? Um, so, so my books are on there, um, worth mentioning that because I'm, you know, one of 16, yeah. there's a lot more beyond us too. So there is definitely a recognition that this is needed. The real question is how do we get the word out? And that's where, you know, coming on your show and, and other places is a good way to, to let people know this exists. Absolutely. And I was just about to say what you said is that parents out there listening to this, you need to get these. I mean, especially... Um, you know, I, I hope the message gets out there far and wide because what are what are our kids being filled with every single day? I mean, in school, they're being bombarded with sexuality. They're being bombarded by false history. They're being bombarded by the, you know, different types of uh, movements and stuff like that. And we need to get the Catholic faith into them. We need to, like, literally, if you saturate your whole worldview with one thing like secularism, you know, that's kind of what you're going to buy into eventually, which is why so many of our teens fall away as teenagers. And I think it's very important. I mean, it's like kind of like the, the analogy, you have two dogs, you know, in they're both equal in every way. They both weigh the same. They're both just as vicious. Which one wins? Whatever one you feed more, whatever one becomes stronger than the other. So if we're feeding our secularism all the time, that's going to grow and wear on us and it's going to win out. Whereas we need to feed our kids with good Catholic uh, theology history teaching and in a way that's not a classroom you know school book type of way but in a way that's fun it's interesting and i think this is the perfect way to get your kids to think about god more to think about faith more to the struggles that they deal with more i think that's all incredibly important yeah and and brian i mean i couldn't publish with a mainstream publisher for kids anymore because the agenda that you're talking about essentially has to be in all of these books for our teens now like you know, you can't just publish anything anymore. It's gotten so bad in that way. And like you said, if you're feeding this to your kids, one of uh, one of the my fans, if you want to call it that, that I heard from, you know, her son has read my books like 20 times. And if you think about that, you know, wow. if he was reading Harry Potter 20 times or reading some of these other things 20 times, you're just reinforcing, reinforcing this in your head. So our kids who are willing to read, which, of course, finding kids to read is tough. You got to, you know, really give them something good these days. But it, once you do find those kids who are willing to read, you don't want to fill their head over and over because they're going to read it again and again. And, you know, so hearing that when I, you know, when when I heard that from uh, this this kid's mom, I was like, yeah, gosh, I mean, thank God he's reading my books 20 times and not some something else out there. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah. and, and it's important to give quality though. Like you mentioned, um, you know, you said award-winning yet yeah, the books they, they have, they've won like eight awards. All, all three of the first three are gold medal winners. The fourth one hasn't gone up for awards yet, but um, you know, they have to be quality books because otherwise you can identify like, you know, not so good. And, uh, and then you kind of lose interest in that. Yeah. Uh, what are the, what would you say the age range is for, you know, the target audience here? Really? I think, you know, we say 10 and up is the way Loyola has put them out there. Okay. I think, you know, you could have, young, I wrote them on, on various levels because I, you know, I have college students who read them, who really enjoy them, um, high school, but you could also read them in middle school. And in fact, uh, that was our initial thought was, you know, start it at, a, you know, at a level where middle schoolers could read it and get into the series. And especially as he's aging through high school. Um, but I didn't want it to be too, you know, simplistic either. So they're written on, on different levels. And definitely, I think uh, even adults who have read them, you know, enjoy them as stories. Just like when I think back to, you know, some of the books that and whatever, even if it's mine. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or uh, you know Tolkien, or or some of those even, um, or even Harry Potter. Yeah. Frankly, I mean, you could read those at just about any age and enjoy yeah. them. I mean, it got really darker and longer as as the series went on. My books mm -hmm. are about the same length. They don't get, they're not getting a lot longer. They're uh, you know about fifty five thousand words per book. Um, and and what do you do with um? Like, do you find that a lot of uh, adults are reading them or like college kids or high school or middle school? Like, do you know the analytics, like the demographic, or is it just a big mix of all it's of them? It's a range. It's a range. I can tell you that most parents, you know, especially if they're, you know, Catholic parents who are, hey, what are my kid going to read? Almost all of them are going to read the books before they give them to their kids. Um, so I do hear from a lot of the adults who are parents just because they're trying to be good parents, you know, and it's uh, some of the covers like, you know, again, it's, you know, you can have some spooky stuff on here and, you know, it's like, what, this is a, this book has good themes in it, you know, like, yeah, right. Exactly. Scream out that. And, and Loyola did that on purpose because they didn't want to, you know, make, you know, especially kids, um, you know, looking at it, teens looking at it, just be like, oh, I don't want to read that. It's like, oh, is that a life of the saint or something? You know, like <laughs> the attitude of teenagers. So it's like, well, no, this isn't the life of the saint. There's like a witch, you know, and what's going to happen in this book? Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, uh, there's definitely an age range, but uh, I just gave a talk at a, uh, a Catholic middle school. It was to eighth graders in California, uh, where the uh, teacher had, in religion actually had used uh, Shadow in the Dark as sort of a supplement to the religion curriculum. And I went in and gave him a talk on the hero's journey, you know, arc of writing. And, uh, you know, and he was just raving about, you know, how much the kids are getting into them and, and how much he appreciates there being that type of thing out there. So, I mean, that's, that makes my heart warm, you know, if we can get them. Yeah. In schools, uh, you know, uh, and uh, Catholic and schools, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm I'm making an effort for that. So I mean, obviously, if if you're a teacher listening to this, you know, um, come check it out. Loyola gives like huge discounts to Catholic, or schools. better yet, a principal. Yes, or <laughs> principal. Well, do principals have any power though? I don't know. Uh, but you know, <laughs> when it comes to uh, you know giving the kids books to read in sixth grade, well, they be did back in the day when we had all those scholastic things. You know, they used to invite them all back, and you know that sort of thing. 
Yes, um, and that 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 irritates me um, because Scholastic is still out there in all the you know these Catholic schools doing book fairs, and they're not they're not carrying our books from Catholic team books. They're carrying all the mainstream you know stuff. Um, there are some alternatives, by the way. If you know if you haven't heard of them, like there's like the Good News Book Fair and the uh, Christian Book Fair, I think, or two. Uh, sort of alternatives to Scholastic that are out there. So we're all kind of fighting the same fight. And, Amen. you know, uh, you know, I think we have to, you know, team up because it's kind of us against the world out there. Amen. And I want to encourage your parents to really get it, even if you want to read it yourself, you know, first. I mean, I remember um, Pierced by a Sword, um, that that book was kind of the first adult kind of fiction, sort of historical fiction and uh, the ones that came after it. And those were pretty good. You know, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed the the fantasy of them, but I also enjoyed the historical possible reality and the faith put in there and that sort of thing, probably more in your face than yours. But, um, you know, they're good. And I think these books have a great purpose in Catholic families. So I want to encourage all the Catholic uh, families out there to consider them um, for your kids. So uh, where can they find these books? Where can they find right. you? So uh, you can find me, uh, I've got actually two websites, one for me, antonycolank.com. Uh, that's kind of got all my author stuff. It'd have links to everything. Uh, but the series itself is at theharwoodmysteries.com. And it's not hardwood, it's harwood. <laughs> um, you can get them at Loyola Press. And again, for schools that are actually getting them, uh, Loyola Press gives pretty steep retail discounts. Um, so that's definitely something you want to do. Otherwise, you can get them at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, whatever. What I always like to say is, if you're really going to go buy the book, go to your local, you know, Catholic or independent bookstore and ask for it, so that we can give our business to those bookstores because they're struggling in, you know, to yeah. compete, stay alive with Amazon. But if you're going to go to Amazon, you'll find it there. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. And we will put your uh, books and your links down below so that people can find you and find them. So yeah, check those out, people. Check out the description section below. If this sounds interesting to you, we will link his website there. And also, um, what, what was the Catholic Teen? CatholicTeenBooks.com. Definitely want to yes. check that out. CatholicTeenBooks.com. Um, yeah, and I guess if I could just wait one, one more... Uh, thought that I, I probably forgot to mention is, you know, my entire series, although it is each book has its own message, the really the series is also about vocation. That's kind of the arc of the the books. What does God want me to do in my life? It's a coming mm. of age ser series. Okay. Um, and so mm. in that way, you know, there is sort of that theme that works its way through the entire arc. Yeah, that sounds really good. Sounds excellent. It sounds like what our kids need today. They need direction. They need purpose. They need some guidance. So that's awesome. Thank you for coming on our show today. And thank you for sharing this with us. Thank you, Brian. And thank you for all you're doing. Uh, you know, When I had you on the podcast, I was just blown away because you can do things talking to, to teens. I can't talk that way to teens, but I can write some stories. <laughs> yeah. So thank and you different evangelists. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say different evangelization methods for different people, you know, and it, it, we need them all. So I think it's all important. Um, and I want to thank you all for tuning in and you help us too, because you get to share this with other people. You get to share them with your kids. So you're helping to evangelize out there as well. If you're a Catholic school teacher, if you know Catholic school teachers, if you think this would be great in Catholic schools, then please tell somebody, um, <laughs> you know, share it with them. 
And we would love uh, for you to do that. And please make sure to check out our information down below too. If you would like to support our ministry, we only exist because of your charity. And uh, make sure to check out our new merchandise because only the truth will set you free, Catholic truth. And uh, we have a lot of new shirts and bumper stickers and mugs and things like that on our website, catholictruth.org. So check it out and thank you all for watching. God bless you.